If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors protect their hard-earned wealth. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515 to strategize with the wealth protection diva today. Call Sage International. Now. The Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. The concept of a formal job interview was born in 1920s America, another of Thomas Edison's bright sparks. A century later, the process has simultaneously come a long way and no way at all. Edison's framework reportedly involved an aptitude test, a bit like today's job interviews, where we're advised to prepare for questions like, what are you most proud of? And sell me this pencil. We know that interviews alone are not great predictors of future job performance. They are subjective, and we only get to see a small amount of the whole person. You might be perfect for the job, but the enforced weirdness of the job interview structure can make even the most poised person palpitate. On the flip side, those who keep their cool are probably lying about their credentials or suitability, as 81% of us apparently do in interviews. My guest, Bill Bryan, founder and CEO of the Bryan Group, LLC, a consulting firm that provides high-level capacity building services to organizations in the education and business sectors. Services include strategic planning, leader and organization development to include talent and performance management, and executive search. Bill, thank you for joining me. Sherry, a real pleasure. I really appreciate your asking me to be on the program. Awesome. Well, you and I were both speakers at the recent Pool Pact HR conference, and what I discovered about you is that your organization is the only one in the country that employs a competency and behavioral science-based approach in your executive search methods. So please explain that. Okay. Um, there's two aspects to the behavioral science approach. Uh, whenever you're trying to hire somebody, you've got three things to keep in mind. Uh, no rocket science here. One is, what are you looking for? And can you measure it? Is it detailed, valid, uh, and measurable? The second is, do you have a methodology to determine whether somebody has what you're looking for? And then the third is, you need a pool of candidates. The behavioral science comes into the first two that I mentioned, and that's creating detailed, valid, and measurable criteria. And we look at that in terms of roles, what hat somebody has to wear well in a job, the competencies required, the leadership style, and then we actually do something called negative competencies, derailers, failure factors, something that will take somebody off the track. 
and we make those measurable as well because somebody can have a lot of good qualities and and be a jerk and that undermines anything else good that they do so that's the one side the second side is getting deep into the evaluation process and that's where the interviewing comes in and uh, i think you covered it pretty well uh, and not only is the guided storytelling the only interview technique uh, that is competency-based, and I've been doing this for over 40 years, competency research and motivation research, um, but it's really the only one that almost makes lying impossible. So that's quite plain, but I truly believe it, and it's the only one that gives you real predictive validity as to whether someone has what you're looking for and can demonstrate it in the future. So Leave that as an overview. If you have more specific questions, happy to respond. Well, I want to kind of dig into uh, your your effective search process, which creates those specific and highly measurable performance criteria. And so when, you know, most people go, oh, I need to hire the CEO or the chief financial officer, they, they have that view in mind. But realistically, you dig really deep. Because you have, you know, most people have to understand that I don't step in as CFO. I'm actually wearing about five or seven different hats. So talk a little bit about why this is unique and something that you guys are excellent at. Yeah, for me, it was probably 45 years ago. Um, I had started out as a military officer and then a clinical psychologist working with kids and families and decided that I wanted to move in the business arena because I was getting a lot of questions about how can you help us with problem people and hires and stuff. And I had the great good fortune of being hired by a fellow by the name of David McClellan, who was the head of the psych department at Harvard. And his claim to fame was that he was one of the top three competency and motivation researchers in the world. And it was applied research. He would do research in companies, the military, and then uh, apply it to hiring and particularly into professional development of, of leaders typically middle management and above. So I cut my teeth with him and his consulting firm and have refined his methodologies since. And what you're really trying to do is understand what people's mindsets are and then how does that get articulated in the lenses they have on the world and then the practices and skills that they put into effect based on that. And what we find is that the only way of finding out what a mindset is, is to do the storytelling. You can't do it by asking, you know, what are you good at or what would your boss say about you, all the traditional stuff. And actually, you really can't get at it in the more modern type of interviewing, which is a a lot better than traditional, which is called behavioral interviewing, which if you're familiar with SHRM, uh, the Society of Human Resource Management does a great job of training for that. But even that doesn't get to the heart and soul of the person that you're looking at. So uh, telling stories and then listening, you've got to be able to listen for those qualities. Now, you get the qualities by interviewing people who are already superstars. So when I was hired, for example, by one of the top pharmaceutical companies in the country, Fortune 50 company, I was asked, can you identify the supervisor of the future for us? at the C-suite level, at the middle manager, and at the supervisor level, 
And what we, we did was we went out and we looked at superstars at each level, did the storytelling, but not for assessing them for how well they were performing, but assessing them against average performers and what did they demonstrate in terms of their mindsets, their mental models, the lenses on the world, and how that got articulated. And in every research I've done over 40 years, superstars, at least in the managerial and leadership arena, uh, the competencies that make them superstars have very little to do with technical competence. As a matter of fact, uh, maybe counterintuitive, but in many cases, higher technical competence was the inverse to their performance. Uh, so how do you measure that? How do you measure resilience? How do you measure the ability to use influence? And the influence is essential for understanding leadership. And if you do a traditional thing, you're trying to figure out what should I be measuring when I interview, and you go around and ask people, for example, same thing that I just did with the pharmaceutical or or you know, dozens of other companies, you go around and ask them, what are your superstars doing? And can we measure that? Because you want to hire to it, we want to develop to it and so forth. What you find is, particularly on the leadership side and the influence skills side, that they will miss at least 70% of the things their superstars are doing that have to do with influence and their ability to get uh, outcomes with people to, you know, get them to perform at a high motivational level, to give you all their discretionary effort, uh, or to comply with what's necessary to, to beat the competition. So understanding that and the fact that people may be good at saying who a superstar is, but really stink at telling you what makes them a superstar, uh, that's where you have to dig in and really create the criteria that are necessary. Um, I could give you an example. For example, one thing that always comes out is political savvy. And you have to have a definition. You have to have the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors of, of someone in that context that shows they've got political savvy. So I'm looking at in front of me of, of one of the criteria for a recent selection, executive select that we did, and some of the behavioral indicators, but only comes out in stories navigates politically charged situations and challenges with skill and confidence, is street smart, can appreciate and connect with all stakeholders, knows what is feasible and not, knows when to back off or fight another day. You only get that information from stories, and you only get authentic information from stories. When you look at the concept of hiring an individual, and we're really talking about the C-suite level, I think there's a, a lot of reason that people aren't as successful as they could be is, one, because they're not hiring you, who have spent years developing this amazing process, your, this model that you have for sitting down initially to figure out what is that performance criteria. You can't hire someone if you don't even know what is their leadership style, what are their competencies besides, like you say, their skills and, and technical knowledge. Successful because you really take a lot of the work out for someone that has to be in that HR role. I'm talking with Bill Bryant, sure. who is the CEO of the Bryant Group, LLC. If you want to find out more information and get some free downloads, go to his website, tbgleaders.com. 
And when we come back, I want to dig a little more into this guided storytelling interviewing. We'll be right back. Save the date. Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is coming Feb 23 through 25th in Yarrington, Nevada. Learn from the experts with our outstanding lineup of speakers. Attend the workshops to learn everything you'll need to get started as a new beekeeper. February 23rd through 25th, Yarrington, Nevada. For beginners and advanced beekeepers, register at nevadastatebeekeepers.org. The 2023 Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 23rd through 25th in Yarrington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. If you love teaching and want to make a difference in the lives of our young children, become a teacher at Community Services Agency. The number one focus is safety for our students and staff. Hi, my name is Summer and I work here at Early Head Start. I would encourage you to come out if you like being with kids. Um, It's joyful watching their little minds grow and seeing them become a little person. So if you are looking for a job in Early Head Start or Head Start, come on down and apply. Natakwa News is delivered to the north slopes of the Sierra Nevada throughout Nevada and California. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. Leaders are at the source of almost every success and failure an organization will experience. Pulling from 40-plus years of Bill Bryan's leadership research and leader development success with educational systems and Fortune 500 enterprises, his team identifies leaders with the right stuff to meet your company's unique needs. When you work with the Bryan Group, you're partnering with a team who is doing much more than filling a vacancy. They're providing a leader that will positively impact your whole organization. So, Bill, we've been talking about uh, the first section on really defining that um, performance criteria, which is really step one to figuring out who should uh, you hire. Now I want to talk about this guided storing interview, uh, this guided storytelling interview process, um, because I had never heard of that before. So share what that's about. And this goes back to a series of developments in interviewing that people aren't aware of. You have the traditional, and then you had something in the 50s that was developed in the military, actually, called critical incident interviewing, where uh, people realized, how do we get our arms around things that went wrong? And in many cases, what went wrong uh, that we caused ourselves, like one of our tanks shooting another one of our tanks, friendly fire sorts of things, or why did that aircraft slip off the the, uh, deck of the aircraft carrier? And that person, uh, his name was Flanagan. Um, He was a military officer, and he started saying, we got to dig deeper. We have to get people to retell the event. From that, we move up to my comments about McClellan at Harvard and the work that he did. And he said, well, that was okay, but it wasn't deep enough. We have to get them to start telling about events. And that events, and this is where part of his brilliance came in. It's not just events that happen that the person, you know, remembers or I guide them to. We need to look at events that stuck with them. And what he was talking about is anything that has an emotional valence to it. So if some, you're a part of something that went really well or went poorly, 
those are the things that get remembered in much level, uh, deeper level of detail. And you need real deep detail to understand how, buddy, how somebody thinks, feels, and acts and what skills they demonstrate. So if I were to ask you, you know, where, where were you when the Challenger blew up? You could probably tell me you know, where you were sitting, what you were doing, and so forth. Where, where, can you replay the birth of your first child? It's because they're emotionally loaded, either positive or negative. So bringing it up now to the guided storytelling, a lot of additional depth has been added to that in terms of the, the probes and the types of information. But it's still based on the principle that you need to find events or stories in this case that the person remembers in their professional life that are either negative or positive. So that's how you set up a story. And you don't care, quite frankly, and this will surprise people, you don't care about the content because competence travels. So if you're looking for initiative and you've got it defined, you'll hear it in the positive events, you'll hear it in the second positive event, you'll hear it in a negative event, and so forth. And so what's front of mind for people that's glued together by these emotional experiences really tells you where their mental energy goes and what their lenses are on the world. Do they have an influence lens? Do they have a leader lens or an entrepreneur lens? Do they have an educator lens? And how does that lead their ability to interpret events and then wear the right hats and demonstrate the right skills? Take me through the protocol. <laughs> okay. So if, if I were interviewing you, some of the things that I would say to set up the interview on the storytelling, in 40 plus years, I don't think I've ever been fooled by fake stuff because first of all, the people don't know what you're looking for. And it's really hard to come up with consistent stories from story to story to story. So you don't have to worry about the lying piece at all. So here we go. So... Okay, Sherry, uh, first of all, you must speak in the first person. Everything, throw modesty to the wind. Start everything with I. Because if you say we, I don't know who the agent is, who's really demonstrating that or doing that. And I know you may be a team player and say, we did this, but what was your role? What did you actually do? Don't be surprised if I interrupt you very frequently to dive down. Well, in that situation, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? What did you do next? What did you hear? Recreate conversations for me. So I'll give you a common example that comes up when you're interviewing. Someone will say, well, I had to go in and get approval from my boss or the board for, you know, let's say an, an additional $50 million to get this particular project off the ground. And so they say, so I walked into the boardroom and I say, wait a minute. Mary, your hand's on the doorknob. What were you feeling? You opened the door. What did you see? What did you do then? Well, one person may say, well, I saw the empty seat and I went over and sat down. The highly political savvy, influential person say, I opened the door and I said, ooh, who's sitting next to so-and-so? I wonder what they're thinking or talking about. And you know what? Son of a gun. I couldn't prepare for that person. I didn't know they were going to be here. So by getting them to tell a story, you know, it really enriches your understanding of how they see the world. Um, another part of the protocol up front is, you know, I'm going to stop you for concrete examples. If you use the L-Y words, well, typically, usually, basically, occasionally we do this. No, no. Stop. Give me a concrete example. 
walk me through it in real detail. Don't be surprised if I stop you with the current story and, and tell you to forget about it. We're moving on to another one because I'm listening. Am I hearing repeated things? Am I not hearing what I want to hear and so forth? Um, and then that's when I say, tell me about a high point or a low point in your career. And in that case, it's once again, it's your story, not mine. So you pick anything that you want. People are often baffled by that. Well, don't you want to hear about this type of story or that type of story? No. When you're in the storytelling itself, you are doing no leading per se in terms of content. So somebody says, I did something, and you want to, you wonder whether they did any planning before they did that. But you can't say, oh, well, did you plan for that? What, is, what was your planning there? Nope. That, that's leading, and you won't get what's front of mind and what the person actually does. The only thing you can say is you said you had worked on this for three months beforehand. What did you do? What did you think? Tell me more about that. So the questions are very simple, but they're never loaded with content. No, that's, that's pretty much it. And then it's taking them through usually, uh, you know, three, maybe four up stories and two or three down stories because you just want the different context as you're doing it. You're trained to do this. And when I look at what you're doing and this guided storytelling interview process, how on earth could just someone that, you know, moved up into HR be able to do this? hiring at the C-suite level, which is, you know, typically a six-figure income, there isn't a lot of time to make a bad decision. So why is it important for someone to hire the Brian Group to do this process? Even in a simplified version of getting people to understand how to make things measurable. What are you looking for? And usually the, the best thing to say to somebody is, uh, you know, who do you admire? Who are your superstars? Just describe the superstar for the position that you're hiring. What have they done? And helping them through that. That's simple. At any level, you can do that uh, without being too sophisticated. Um, and then on the interviewing, you can do some sort of abbreviated how not to ask leading questions, how, how you're wasting your time with traditional questions, how you can get people to tell stories around the ups and downs. That's not hard. The hard is in the probing and how to make sure you're, you're not asking leading questions and stuff. The typical GSI workshop runs for two days and with another day of coaching and follow-up. And that will get somebody typically to the 80% level of proficiency, but they have to practice it. Anybody can do it. The people that have the most problems, believe it or not, are counselors and therapists their way of asking questions and making assumptions which have no data behind them. So often they need an extra day of training and practice to kind of break old habits. You can do this with training and with practice. And when people see the, the immediate value, they start using it more and more. In most companies, what I would say, small or otherwise, is get four or five people who are really, really good at it and then send them out to, to sit with the hiring manager and the pair of them together interview, you know, the key candidates. So you've got the expertise of the hiring manager, and then you've got the expertise of the guided storyteller. You're in the world of hiring and leadership and strategic planning. Give us a final word for our listeners. Final word is something called tight thinking. 
It's actually something that I have a trademark on. P-I-T-E, think influence, think energy. And this goes to the qualifications of leaders in particular. Everybody misses influence and how to measure it. So think influence, think energy. After many years, the think energy piece is that your top leaders, in addition to thinking influence all the time and how to do the right thing and influence with the right values behind it so it doesn't go off the rails, they also have an acute pragmatism. And the pragmatism comes from whatever they're asking people, a department or organization to do, they always ask it in the context, do these people or this organization have the energy to do it? They may have the skill and the will, but do they have the energy? So the combination of influence and an accurate assessment of energy gives people a real understanding of whether somebody's got the right stuff and can really be goal-driven and an effective planner. Go to our website, cbgleaders.com, and there are some free downloads of information as well as uh, program descriptions. I want to thank Bill Bryan, founder and CEO of the Bryan Group, for joining with me today and sharing some really good insight on how to really hire the right people in your organization. So, Bill, thank you. You're welcome. Pleasure being with you, Sherry. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show.